Welcome to the Off The Crutch Podcast, your home for disability-related topics from a disabled perspective. Enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Off The Crutch. I am so thankful for everyone who listened to this podcast in 2020, and I look forward to making 2021 even better. Since it's the new year, I thought I would start it off with a bang. For those of you who may be new, I'm from the land of enchantment, also known as New Mexico. Great things regarding accessibility are on the horizon in our state, and this man is helping make it happen within his office. He is our state auditor, Brian Cologne. Mr. Cologne's ties to the disability community is why I wanted to have him on my show today. He is full of energy, excitement, and positivity. I promise that within the next 15 seconds, you'll be hooked. So let's get right into it. It's another beautiful day in the land of enchantment there. Travis Davis off the crutch. I am thrilled to be here, my friend. I love that introduction. You are so full of energy. Every time that I talk to you is just a breath of fresh air. You're so happy. And we talked about this before we started recording. You always have a smile on your face. And that's one of the many things that I love about you. Well, you're very kind, Travis, and you know, I got a lot to be happy about, and I'm very, very grateful, and I'm grateful to be on this podcast with you, and and I just really appreciate the the message that you bring, the positivity you spread, and just your inspirational journey uh, really touches lives, and I appreciate you very much, Travis. Well, thank you so much. Let's start before we dive into some disability-related questions. How did you decide that you wanted to pursue politics at a young age? Let's see, uh, you know, your, your listeners might know uh, that I've been on quite a political journey for about the last 15 years, uh, but it all started really when I was about 15 years old, uh, maybe even a little younger. I was at a uh, political rally that a f- my mom's friend took me to down in Valencia County. I grew up in Los Unas and Bosque Farms area. And my parents had a little flea market, a little tiendita there in Bosque Farms, and one of my mom's close friends uh, was involved in politics. And he took me to a political rally down in Belen at the Sheriff's Posse. And to be honest with you, there were a couple speakers there that just inspired me in a very special way. And they moved me and really started helping me believe that my current state of affairs didn't have to dictate my future state of affairs. And, And I realized then that there were people involved in things that allowed them to inspire others to dream big. And, and I have to tell you that it was really from that moment on that I looked to the guy that took me and I, and I just said, Scott, who are they and what do they do? And he said, well, one of them's a judge and a baker and the other is in the New Mexico legislature and he's an attorney. I said, I don't know what all that's about. I said, but that's what I want to do. I want to be able to touch people the way they touched me today. And I was a young kid. And, you know, not long thereafter, I got involved in school politics and and was class president and president of the nerd herd. And, you know, I just was on all those goofy things that you can be. And look, I I I was I was you know, I say president of the nerd herd. I don't mean that uh, figuratively. I mean, I I pretty much was. I mean, I was in I look, let me just put it this way. I can I encapsulate who I was at a young age with one visual for your listeners, Travis. Get a load of this. Can you imagine in eighth grade, so that means I was 13 years old, Travis, or 12, 
I literally would wear a tie to school on Fridays and I carried a briefcase around middle school. I mean, who does that? I mean, I became the number one target for the bullies in school like overnight, um, but somehow it didn't matter. I was going to be that guy. And, uh, you know, I had all these ties that my parents had gotten from the flea market that we were running and uh, that I started working at when I was 10 years old. And, and look, it just, it started there. So I knew from that moment that I wanted to be engaged in New Mexico's political landscape, even though, Travis, I wasn't even sure what that meant, mm. to be honest with you. I just knew that these people inspired me and I wanted to be able to do that for others. That's a very inspiring story at such a young age that you wanted to be involved in politics. I remember growing up when I was a young boy and I had a coach, Judge Pat Murdoch, who was a really prominent judge here in Albuquerque. It was the first time that I ever met somebody with a physical disability and just knowing his story about growing up with polio and how he would just inspire all of us and just learning from him. You know, unfortunately, last year he passed away and I got the opportunity to go to his uh, celebration of life ceremony and hearing his brother talk about how he started his journey to become a judge and how he didn't want to let his disability dictate his circumstances. I find um, some parallels between what uh, Judge Murdoch had gone through to what you had just mentioned about what your circumstances not wanting to dictate, your current circumstances not wanting to dictate your future circumstances. That's exactly right, Travis. And let me tell you, the judge was an inspirational uh, human being for so many reasons. But I can tell you that you talk about off the crutch. I mean, that guy had his Canadian crutches on, uh, but you, I, I couldn't keep up with him. Let me just put it that way. That guy <laughs> flew on those crutches. And uh, let me tell you, he was mean on the basketball court on his chair. Yes. And uh, just, he was a really fantastic uh, human being. I uh, remember being a very young attorney uh, when I first met him and just really just being inspired by his passion for service, his judicial temperament, and his ability to bring what I think is so important when it comes to elected office and public service. The lens we look through matters, Travis. The journey that we've been on informs our capacity to evaluate circumstances and to be able to understand what the future could hold in those circumstances. Meaning, you know, look, I was the first, I, when my, I, we, can, we can go anywhere you want, Travis, but you, you, you know, I, I don't want to get too far on a roll, otherwise we'll run out of time and sure. I, I want to make sure I get where we're going sure. and that's wherever you want us to go with off the crutch. But sure. I, I would just just tell you that briefly, I think you know this because I think you've heard my story, buddy. Uh, but just for your listeners, you know, as a teenager, I watched my father deteriorate before my very eyes. And this is maybe where you and I become connected at the heart. Uh, there wasn't a time that I remember watching my father not struggle with his physical disabilities. Uh, he had extraordinary abilities in some ways, uh, and he had different abilities but he had physical disabilities. He was either on Canadian crutches or in very painful back braces uh, and struggling with the effects of muscular dystrophy and the deterioration and atrophy of his muscles, which ultimately led to his loss of life at a very young age. He was 49 years old when I buried him. 
and I was a teenager. And I, I would just say that that informs the lens I look through. It informs me as a, as a public official. It allows me to understand that when my father died, I buried him, but I had his dream. And his dream was going to what was really that I'd be the first in my family to go to college and break the cycle of poverty that I grew up in, whether mm. it's the blocks of cheese and the powdered milk or the section eight housing that put a roof over my head. You know, I had his dream and I lived his dream for a very long time. And I can tell you that after 10 years, I did get my bachelor's degree. I was on the 10 year track at New Mexico state university, but not for a professorship. <laughs> I was actually on a 10 year track to get my bachelor's degree which I got in finance, went straight to law school, graduated from law school, and now I've been practicing law for nearly 20 years and now serving New Mexico for about 720 days as your state auditor. And I always tell people that 720 days ago was when I stopped living my father's dream mm. and I began living my dream mm. because ever since graduating with a degree, I realized that I was able to live my father's dream and break the cycle of poverty and one generation out. I now have a 23-year-old son who's a graduate of Albuquerque High School who got a presidential scholarship from that high school to go to George Washington University, and he's now a biomedical engineer from George Washington University on a presidential scholarship. The debt of gratitude that I owe is one that is so great, I will never be able to repay it fully, but I'm going to die trying. And so 720 days ago, when I took public office, this was my dream. My dream was that I would repay that debt to my community by serving in public office, that the money wasn't going to matter as long as I had a roof over my head and food on my table. I didn't need to drive a fancy car. I didn't have to have a big house. All I had to do was have enough, mm. enough so that I could give back to my community with every day I have. And that's what I do, Travis. I That's a long answer and maybe not the best format for a podcast, so I apologize for going on a tear. But I just, I just think that the lens we look through really matters. And that's a long way to tell you a little bit about the lens I look through every day. Sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You definitely touched on something that I wanted to transition to with your father and your connection to the disability community. We talked about a month ago and you were involved with our local ADA advisory council meeting, and you had shared how your office for the first time is going to be doing a state audit on accessibility. Is that correct? That's exactly correct, Travis. We took, uh, during uh, the ADA uh, uh, month, we made a decision in my office that I wanted us to do a, essentially a performance or, or uh It'd be closely tied to what we'd call a performance audit in our office. But basically, you know, I watched my father long before they had the ADA compliant parking lots with ramps, graded parking lots that you, you know, which are, let me just tell you, every time we can put in a graded parking lot that leads to a curb uh, with a seamless edge, that's what we want every single time. Uh, we want those slopes so that we don't have to have a uh, struggle with getting to the ramp that is barely wide enough to uh, navigate in a wheelchair. Uh, but what I wanted to do was take a look at government parking lots here in the central New Mexico area, at least, and shine a spotlight because I got to tell you that during my campaign and as I traveled around the state in all 33 counties when I was running for state auditor, it became very obvious to me that we have state and government buildings that are non-compliant and maybe they don't have to be. 
I get it, Travis. I know there's exceptions and I know that, you know, if they're not making improvements then they may not have to come into compliance, but I still don't believe that that means we can not talk about it. And for me, what I want to do is do a universe of evaluations uh, that really contemplate how closely are we complying with ADA requirements in our parking lots for access to the front doors of these government buildings. To me, it's unacceptable. Like if they're not 100% accessible from the parking lot to the front door, whether we need to be or not, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical, right? Like it's unethical that you still struggle to get into some government buildings, Travis. That is unethical and it's unacceptable. It's amoral. And if we're not coming up with a plan over the course of the next whatever, one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year plan to make sure that all our government buildings are coming into compliance, then we're not doing our job. We're not meeting the moral obligation that we have to provide access. And that's physical access to these governmental buildings. And so for me, we're undertaking that audit. We're designating uh, the evaluation of several parking lots. We'll come up with a report. We'll report it out to the executive and to each of the government agencies and and, and we'll see where we go from there, but we're going to shine a spotlight on it. And we're not doing as good a job as we can be. And we're just going to talk about that. And do I have the capacity to force compliance? Absolutely not. Because like I said, just because they're not compliant doesn't mean it's illegal. Um, but for me, it's an, it's an important conversation we should always be having. How do we get better? We want to talk about access to all. That means including people with disabilities. And now more than ever, we talk about diversity and inclusion. Well, that doesn't just mean by ethnicity. It means by uh, access for all. And that means people with different abilities as well. I think that's so wonderful that you are using your position to help other people with disabilities and going above and beyond what is seemed as the standard, because I'm sure there's not a lot of other states who are doing the same things that your office is going to be doing here in the state. So I'm sure that at, at the end of the uh, assessment, you are going to see some really great things about different parking lots and buildings and some really sore spots that then you can work with other government agencies to work together to make some improvements. Travis, you ought to host a podcast. You really encapsulated <laughs> Uh, where I think things are going. I think that you, you stated it perfectly because there are great lots out there that are government buildings and they're great access, great parking structures, tremendously striped lots with appropriate, but I've gone to government buildings where the striping is actually in reverse. Mm. You've got your symbols reversed because the people who are doing the striping in the lots aren't familiar with the current ADA standards uh, and symbols and signage and uh, fold down ramp access uh, spaces adjoining the handicapped spaces. And I may not be using the exact right terms, so give me a little latitude on that. I apologize. But you, I think, understood what I was trying to say, right? Did that make sense, what I was yes. trying to say, Trev? Right? So, so you're right. We're going to find some real stellar lots, but we're going to find some lots that need improvement. And what I'm excited to tell you is I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts that the executive branch and all our state agencies or when, when we point this out, I think they're going to want to address it. I really do. And so I think we have great room for improvement. I don't think there's blatant disregard. I just think there's a lack of focus. And I'm going to bring a little bit of focus to this issue. And then I also think what you alluded to is that I belong to the National Association of State Auditors and Controllers and Treasurers, NASAC. And I think that 
this particular report may get some traction nationally and other auditors may take a look, take a look at this exact same issue. So just to your point, I think you're spot on and thank you for presenting so succinctly. You're so welcome. So I'll end on this question. It doesn't have anything to do in regards to disability, but I have to bring it up because in the past, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I have gotten comments from various people that I should run for some type of political seat and just be in politics in general, whether they think it's because of my personality or just my ability to interact with people. I haven't really taken it very seriously. Maybe one day I will, but what advice would you give someone who is interested in pursuing a career in politics? I appreciate that question, Travis. And I would just say it is no holds barred. Here you go. I, I'm just telling you, like, if you if you feel this on your heart, that you bring something to the conversation that would enrich the political landscape in New Mexico, not only would I encourage you to do it, but I think you have an obligation to do it because you got to have a heart for this. And I think that the more diverse lenses that we can, you know, surround the table with, and again, going back to my earlier analogy, the lens we look through, and it could be because I've been wearing glasses since I was like four years old, uh, before I was even in school, they had to strap them around my head. I just think that if it's on your heart, then part of my obligation as a statewide elected official after getting nearly a half a million votes in the honor and privilege of serving New Mexico, my job is to make sure that uh, I provide you every bit of opportunity to get involved. And so what I would say is uh, the advice is if it's on your heart, do it and reach out to people like me who are saying, look, I've got 15,000 contacts in my iPhone and every one of them belong to you if you want to get involved. Mm. My goal in life is to help as many people get from where they are today to where they want to be tomorrow. And if it's in your heart to have public service, then it's on my heart to help you get there. And I am absolutely ready, willing, and able to do that. Look, I have a motto I live by, Travis. I think you've heard it before. And it's a, I believe this with every bit of my, my being, and that is I'm convinced and I'm living proof that your success in life will always be directly proportional to the success you help others achieve. Sure. So all the young people that I mentor, all the people who want to get involved in politics that I try and encourage and, and provide resources for, uh, it has come back and has allowed me to live a very enriched life. And I sit here at 50 years old, 50 years old right now that my maker can take me tomorrow and I will have lived a full life. And I've been very, very enriched and honored to serve. And so Travis, it's on your heart. Here I am. Uh, and, the, you know, the door's not open. I took the flipping door off the hinges. Just come on through. I feel like sometimes that is what I do as a person with a disability, because a lot of times with discrimination and people not giving the disabled community a fair shake, depending on if it's employment or education, that, you know, as a person with a disability, I have to make my own opportunities. And I definitely see a lot of that of, you know, I gotta, I can't just wait to let someone open the door for me. I have to just break it down myself. That's exactly right. And I know you've got the power to do it. And there are going to be plenty of allies like me that are ready to stand beside you in that conversation. I just appreciate you even contemplating it. And if it's on your heart, there's lots of ways to get involved. And you don't have to go and run for elected office. Look, you do some of that, that civil service uh, with the committee work and the advocacy that you do. It makes a difference. It all matters. Even you engaging with me matters because I can help amplify your messages when you engage with me. 
And, and that in itself is you being involved in the political landscape. The, ver- the very idea that you invited me to be on this fantastic and amazingly impactful podcast is you getting involved in the political landscape of New Mexico. And, and you're already providing a service. So, you know, like I said, yes, yes, and yes. How can I help? <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Brian. If I ever decide that I want to take this to another level or even put some action steps together, I will definitely reach out to you. I really appreciate your time and your just energy on this podcast today. So thank you so much for talking about your story, what you're doing to help the people with disabilities in the state of New Mexico, and then sharing some tips on how someone can get into politics. The pleasure was all mine, Mr. Travis Davis. You're the man. I want to just say that people are welcome to reach out and contact me anytime. My email address is really easy. And if they read about me in the newspaper or they see my name somewhere, they might think my name is Brian Colon because a lot of times they can't get that accent over the second O. And so they might think, uh, you know, I've been called a colon my whole life. You know, after that, it's uphill, right? Like it's all, you're you're doing better from then on. So uh, I will just say that uh, people are always welcome to email me anytime at colon.brian at gmail.com. That's C-O-L-O-N dot B-R-I-A-N at gmail.com. And I guarantee you, I'm going to do my best to exceed your expectations on how quickly I respond. Uh, I work for 2.1 million New Mexicans and uh, I'm at your service. Thank you for having me on, Travis. Thank you so much, Brian. You're the man. Take care. I appreciate you. Make it a great day and call me anytime. And thanks for the service you provide in the platform uh, to lift up people's voices. That amplification really, really matters. And I appreciate you so much.